the bulletin says we're in Isaiah chapter 26, and really that's the passage that's leading up to this series on the tribulation rapture, which I hope to finish next Sunday morning. But uh, And actually, next Sunday morning, we'll be in Isaiah chapter 26, okay? But um, today, I just want to look to begin with at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. You know, you get, a, uh, you get a, the pastor notes thing in your bulletin. It's a sheet where you can just write down, uh, take notes on the sermon or things to write down, maybe something you pick up. Uh, sometimes I give extra passages of Scripture, and you don't have time to look them up. So... Uh, write them down. Write them down and uh, go back and look at them. Uh, write things down that I might say here that you're questioning that. Well, go back and check it out. And they, in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, they were told that those at uh, Berea searched the Scriptures to see if the things that we were saying were so. They were more noble than those at Thessalonica. And we're starting off Thessalonians today. But uh, the great church at Thessalonica, but they're more noble than them, but they searched the Scriptures to see if what they were preaching was so. Do that on any preacher. Do that on any preacher. Now, now I'm getting older, and sometimes I say, well, you used to always have these three-point outlines, you know, or these four-point outlines, whatever it was. And I uh, say, so don't do it. I, I think Pastor Andy's losing it. Well, that's all right. That will qualify me to be president. But... Um, That wasn't nice, was it? Okay. But, um, but you know, it, it's, it's bad, though, that uh, actually, you know, we, we talk about that. But really, you realize that um, uh, Dolly Madison, when President Madison was in his, he had sicknesses. He had some problems. Basically, what most people don't know because they didn't have media in that day questioning everything, that she pretty well ran the country last few months of his presidential time. You know, she made decisions. She sent them out as if it was President Wilson. But the good thing was they were both on the same page, okay? So that was good as far as the uh, philosophical things before that uh, uh, President Wilson got his, uh, had his physical and mental problems. So again, uh, I don't know if I'm losing it, but <laughs> I think I'm still here. And I think the Lord's still giving me messages, and that's what I do. Is I just preach what the Lord gives me, and that's what we want to do. So as we look at that, we're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Begin with verse 9. Verse 9 says, uh, uh, well, I just want you to, before I look at verse 9, I want you to see that there's salvation. The salvation of these people was a result of missionaries working with Paul. I mean, it was a missionary team. People went out together. They went to a city, the city of Thessalonica. They began witnessing to these people. Souls were getting saved. See, that's the way the Lord builds His local church. And so they were doing that. As a matter of fact, I think we still have the signs up there. When you're leaving the church, you'll see that sign above that says, you are now entering the mission field. And that's true for every Christian. You are entering the mission field. Well, verse 9 says, For they themselves show uh, of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, how ye turned to God from idols, to serve the living and true God. Now, that is a great description of our salvation. 
We're turning from idols. We're turning from uh, sin. We're turning from ourselves. You know, a lot of us uh, have the idol of self. It's what pleases me. It's what really helps me, whether it's financially or whether it's popularity or whether it's any other way. If it helps me, it's fine. If it doesn't help me, I'm against it. And and yet, uh, when they look at this thing, no, that's that's not what was great. The great was the fact that they received the salvation is what we need to serve him. So he says, uh, again, therefore, they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the true and living God. You say, well, they're just a new Christian. They can't serve the Lord. Well, they need to grow in the Lord, yes. But boy, right off the bat, after you're saved, you can be the person that goes out and say, man, I got saved Sunday. I want you to come hear this. Hey, I got saved. I want so-and-so to come see you and, and share what happened with me with them. You know, there, you can serve the Lord. The moment you're saved, you can start serving the Lord because the Lord saves you right then. He sanctifies you. He sets you apart that he can use you for his service. That's his way. And verse 10 says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. That wrath is in this passage speaking of the tribulation hour that's going to come upon this earth. Christians do not go through the tribulation. Now, there will be people in the tribulation who will get saved. We'll see a little bit about that in a few minutes. But they won't, the moment they get saved, leave and go up. Now, there will be people that become Christians. They get saved during that tribulation hour. That tribulation hour is seven years. That is a time where over half the world's population will die. That is a time of great troubles trials, death, worse than the world has ever seen. But if you're saved out of that, then you're liable to get killed for receiving Christ as your Savior. We see up in heaven in Revelation chapter 6, there are souls under the altar. They see the other people up there that got raptured. They're already in those new bodies that's fashioned like into Christ's glorious body. And so because they're uh, there, they see that, oh, boy, they want that, and I don't blame them. And they say, oh, Lord, how long? Oh, holy and true Lord, how long? They said, wait. They put robes on them and gave said, just wait till your brethren should be killed. And they were being killed for the testimony of Christ and the Word of God. Some people say, why do you stand so strong in the Bible, especially the King James Bible? Because... It's the Word of God. Okay. So, again, uh, they're saved from the wrath to come. When you get saved, you're saved from your sin. You're saved from the penalty of your sin. You're saved from that wrath that will come during the tribulation period. But you also see that there is a responsibility that we have. One is saved through repentance and faith. We don't want to water that down. We don't ever want to change that. 
Well, if you leave this out, then maybe more people get saved. No, you don't leave any part of salvation out. Don't not let any part of it out. What does Mark tell us in that first chapter about Jesus when he went out preaching? He preached repentance. He preached faith. And my friend, that needs to be true of all of us. That when we go out and witness, we're just not telling people, say this prayer and you'll be all right. No. We'll turn them from sin and self to the Lord Jesus Christ to serve the true and living God. Saved from the wrath to come. Oh, what a wonderful thing that is. But you're also saved to serve. You're saved to serve. So keep that in mind, that when you're saved, you're saved to serve. Now, there's another verse I'm going to read to you. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. That's in Revelation chapter 3. And guess what? At the end of chapter 3, he quits talking about the churches. Okay? Then the next chapters are dealing with the tribulation up to chapter 20 when you start getting into the millennium. But just think of that. Just think of that. What we are saved from but also what we're saved to. And so, uh, I hope that as we listen here today, that the Lord speaks to your heart. If you're not sure if you died today, that heaven's your home, please listen. We want you to walk out of here knowing that if you died today, that heaven's your home. If you're not 100% sure of that, you need to make sure today. But on the other hand, if, as a Christian, you know you're saved. Just like 9-11. Not one person got on the airplane and said, oh boy, we're going to fly into the, uh, one of those centers there. You know, one of those buildings, one of those high buildings. No, they didn't have that in mind. They wouldn't have got on the plane. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. You don't know the day of the hour, and I don't know the day of hour, or hour of my, my death. Or of the rapture. But I do know this. I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded you'll keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Okay, so now, now we know that. We know that. But look, if it's that quick, it's too late. It's too late if you're not saved to get saved. It's too late. If as a Christian, you've gotten away from the Lord, you're not serving Him like you once served Him. Oh, you've got a spirit of criticism. You've got a spirit of finding fault. You've got a spirit of this, spirit of that. Just realize that it'll be too late. It'll be loss of reward. Saved, the Bible says, so as by fire. Ashamed at His appearing. If the Lord took us up today, would you be ashamed at His appearing? Would you be ashamed at that judgment seat? That's the question I have to ask myself. That's the question each of us need to ask ourselves. Now, we have told you that uh, following the pre-tribulation rapture, 
that people are left on this earth to face the seven worst years that man has ever known. You know, as I prayed there in my seat before I got up here to preach, I don't want you to see me. I want you to see Jesus. I don't want you to see, hear my words. I want you to hear Jesus' words. I want you to hear the word of God. I can be a tool to deliver the word of God. But whatever God does in your heart, it's not Andy Bloom. It is him through his Holy Spirit and word of God that he works in your heart. So listen to him. Listen to him. The Lord shall descend from heaven. We find that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 at the rapture. That, we say the rapture is the next thing on God's uh, prophetic calendar. Now, from what we know of the Bible, that is true. Now, God knows what he's going to do and when he's going to do it. Judgment against the house of God. What could happen here in America before the Lord raptures us? Think of that. Just think of what could happen. So we need to be fully aware that he could come at any moment. As a matter of fact, the coming of Christ has been imminent since he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. He told him to be always ready. When you read through the Bible here and we're reading in Thessalonians, you'll see that he was expecting it at that time. Be ready. Be saved if you're not saved. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that the Lord shall descend from heaven that day of rapture. The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. The trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. Guess what? So shall we ever be with the Lord. You know, I've been there, uh, or just with my family. Let's use my family as an example. I was there with my brother when he died. As a matter of fact, uh, I was there the day that he died. His nurse came in to Washington that morning. I'd stayed the night there and was staying with him that day till it was time to come back here. Uh, and and uh, the nurse came in to give him his bath. And I was getting up to walk out. And she, he said, wait a minute, don't, don't. He says, don't wash. Don't give me a bath. She says, well, I've got to, Mr. Blum. He said, no, it hurts. It's so painful when you do that. He was just filled with cancer. He says, it's painful. Don't do that. Look, I'm going to die today. So you can wash me all you want to then. And he did die that day. But somehow he knew that. My mother. Oh, how hard was that to see her in that comatose state for weeks. They kept her going with a ventilator and eyes glassed over. But boy, when they took that thing off and to just see her for that moment come back around. But she had a trach. I, the last time she ever talked to me, she told me big time. 
I mean, I was in trouble. I'd never heard her talk to me like that, but she talked to me like that at that time. I told her, Mom, you're going to have surgery, and I knew her time was bad, you know, and things could be even very soon. I was asked to go to Pensacola and preach for four days at the college there. I said, Mom, I'll call up there and cancel that. I, I can't go to that. It's a Bible conference, as a matter of fact. I says, I can't go. I, I, I won't go there. She says, you're gone. She said, God called you to preach. Now, you don't back off that. I'll be fine. He's taking me. If I don't last, I'm with him. Boom. Hey, yes, ma'am. Now, those are the last words I ever heard my mother speak. Boy, I tell you what. She saw the Lord. I think he high-fived her. But, you know, when we think of this, people dying, we're going to see them again if they're in Christ and ever with the Lord. But, you know, that body my brother died in, that body my mother died in, that's not the body that's resurrected. That's so changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we which are alive remain until the coming of the Lord. You know, we, we, we will be changed. Changed. Now, speaking of this pre-tribulation rapture, we see this in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. It's referred to as Daniel's 70th week. The Bible doesn't call it Daniel's 70th week. Men have given it that title which is not a bad title. It's not blasphemous or anything, but it just describes what it is talking about. But in the prophecy, those 70 weeks, each one is a day, each day of each week equals one year. Daniel's 70th week in that passage in Daniel chapter 9. The first 69 weeks go by and it was prophesied things that would happen in that 69 weeks. There'd be the prophecy to rebuild Jerusalem. And it was. And that went on for 400, 483 years. And then at the end of the 69th week, it just seems like there's a cutoff. Then the 70th week will begin with Messiah still in heaven. But here is tribulation. But there's an Antichrist. He's against the Messiah. He'll confirm that 70th week. He'll confirm a covenant with Israel for one week. Do you realize it's not the rapture that starts the tribulation? No. It is when that covenant is signed, that begins it. But that covenant won't be signed until after we're raptured. So, that happens then. But, the week begins when it's signed. As a matter of fact, look at Israel if you want to kind of study, Israel, uh, study prophecy because it revolves around Israel. So, you have that rapture. And then we see in Daniel 9, 27, 
He said at the end of the 69 weeks, Jerusalem shall be destroyed. We're even told in other parts how blood would flow, and it did flow in the streets. Historians that were there that saw it said it flowed as streams. But it said Messiah will be cut off and Jerusalem will be destroyed. Messiah was crucified. And then Jerusalem was destroyed. They lost it all. And their relevance to the world meant nothing. And so after those 483 years, there's still seven years left. They got to go. What are they going to do? And that seven years begins after the rapture because Messiah has been cut off. Jerusalem's destroyed. And now it'll go command to rebuild Jerusalem. They'll rebuild that in the tribulation. By the way, that tribulation temple they rebuild will not be the one that enters the millennium. That one's going to go down and Jesus is going to build the right one. And for those guys that mocked him, he said in three days he can tear us down and he can build it up again. He was talking about his body, but guess what? I think he's going to do it when he gets back with the actual building. But whether that happens that way or not, I believe it. But nonetheless, it's going to happen. We do know that for sure. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, verse 27 says. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease for the overspreading of abominations. He shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined, shall be poured out, poured upon the desolate. Well, when you look at those scriptures, that backdrop, I really put that up as a backdrop for what I really want to say here. And what I really want to say here, it's 12 o'clock. And I don't want to hold you over today. But I do want to do this. I want to come in and hone in on two things. Number one, are you 100% sure that if you die today, that heaven is your home. Now, receiving Christ is, I, I, I'm borrowing this, okay? I'm borrowing this. I've heard it since I was a little guy growing up. We're going to have the ABCs. And I, you say, little guy? Yeah, I mean, you learned the ABCs in school, didn't you? So they do it in ABC. Okay, what is A? Well, in our school, you say A stands, A, a says A as an apple. A says A, A, A. Okay, now, and that's phonics, which uh, for some reason uh, they decided that they didn't want children to be able to read phonics or read uh, that way. But nonetheless, A stands for admit. Admit what? Admit. When Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that includes you. Admit that you have sin comes short of the glory of God, and also admit that you know that the wages of sin, didn't say wages of a great big sin, all uh, adultery and homosexuality, drunkenness, drug, no, for the wages of sin. All unrighteousness is sin, the Bible says. 
The thought of foolishness is sin, the Bible says. All have sinned, come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. That's final, complete separation from God forever in the lake of fire. And we must admit, I deserve that because I have sinned. There's, if one person in this auditorium said, I have never sinned, guess what? You're a liar. So that's a sin. All right? So now, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But, boy, aren't you glad it doesn't end at death? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So you must admit first that you are a sinner. And you deserve to go to hell. A is admit. B is believe. Believe that Jesus Christ, who is God Almighty in heaven, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not, the Bible says. Without him was not anything made that was made. He came into his own and his own received him not. But as many as that received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. I'm not a child of God today because I'm a good person. No, if I didn't receive Christ, I'd still be a child of the devil. I'm a child of God because I received Christ. But I believe that Jesus, God is a spirit, and they that worship him, worship him in spirit and truth. He was a spirit who existed throughout eternity past and came to this earth and took on human flesh. Born a human body with a human spirit body, yet the Son of God. He rose up. He's raised in those days, given to Joseph and Mary, that responsibility to raise this child. And for the 33 and a half years that he lived on this earth, he never sinned one time. So when the sacrifice of pure blood, pure equal blood, which would have to be in our case, human blood. And for the sacrifice of pure blood, Jesus became that for you and me. He died for every sin you or I ever have or ever will commit. My friend, you must not only admit you're a sinner, but you must believe that he did, did that for you. And then the next one is the letter C, A, B, C. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey, do you remember we just read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10? They turned from God, uh, turned from idols to serve the true living God. See, your idol may be yourself. You know, we're in football season, I guess, now, so I imagine everybody had their football, favorite college football team they watched yesterday or followed to make sure they won or lost or whatever. And everything revolved around that. Now, isn't it interesting? You can have the end of the college football season as well as the NFL season. They each have this championship game. The championship determined the national champion in college. A game that determines the Super Bowl champion of, of, of that year. 
And there are people that name the name of Christ when their favorite team is playing in that, and there's a church service on that night they're playing, they're not going to be in church. That is a hypocrite. That is a person that has not really allowed the Lord to be first in their life as a Christian. Well, I don't agree with you. You don't have to agree with me. You better agree with God. And I can tell you right now, God just agreed with me because I agreed with him. Okay. What I'm saying is, a lot of times Christians have idols in their life that shouldn't be there. But a lot of times it's an idol that keeps you from salvation. Oh man, if I get saved. No. You know, isn't it interesting that a lot of times unsaved people know what a Christian should do more than a Christian does? You know what? If I get saved, I'm going to have to quit doing that. You know why they say I have to quit doing that? They know it's wrong. If I get saved, I've got to be in church. Man, I don't go to church all the time. Why do they say that? Because they know. Now, my friend, look. You believe. Now you call upon him. But that call... Remember the rest of the verse that we read there in verse 9 and 10 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1? To turn from idols to serve the true and living God. Commit your life to Jesus Christ. That's called repentance. Believe, that's faith. Repentance. You call. You give yourself to him. And he'll save you. You say, Pastor, that sounds simple. God didn't want to make it hard. He actually wants you to be saved. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But the wicked turned from his way. That verse that he says there in Ezekiel, three times he says, turn ye, turn ye, turn ye. He's begging for you to turn to him. You're not sure if you died today, heaven's your home. You need to come to him today. If that's a Christian, you're not exactly the way you want Christ to catch you if he cut you out of the world today, whether through death or through the rapture, what are you going to do about it now when you can do something about it? What are you going to do about it now? Let's bow our heads, please.